0: I'm right, show- and welcome to the challenge flag where we call bs on fantasy football so-called experts i'm zachary dorfman joined by michael conti and today we have a special show for you it is our running back show now uh, if you if you tuned in last week uh, this show's gonna be a little bit different we have a lot more content for you guys so let me give you the rundown of what you're gonna uh hear today Uh, so first, before we just get into the list and talk about the rankings and disparities of rankings that the experts have these guys at, we're gonna go through, uh, articles that we found that we feel are good and some articles that we feel are bad. We're gonna be, uh, praising some experts and ripping some apart and giving you guys some articles that we feel you should go, uh, you should go and check out. Uh, After that, we're going to talk about one of the hardest decisions to make as a fantasy coach, drafting at a certain draft position, and we're going to try to help you make that really tough decision. Then we're going to get into our running backs, uh, you know, our normal list and rankings and guys that have large disparities in their rankings. And at the end, we're going to do a segment called Flip Flop, where it's going to be rapid fire choosing this guy or that guy. As always, you can follow us at flag underscore challenge on Twitter. You can like and subscribe on YouTube at The Challenge Flag. All of our episodes will be up on YouTube. You can go check out our quarterback episode. It's up there now. You can give us a listen on iTunes, or you can go to our official website at thechallengeflagofficial.podbean.com. All right, so Mike, kick us off with your... Articles. Uh, Tell us about an article that you liked and an article that you did not like.
1: So uh, two articles I pulled together for today's running back segment. One I liked is titled running backs poised for target increases in 2018. Uh, This was written by Andrew Gold of Fantasy Pros. In this article, he just talks about um, more touches, more catches, targets, I should say, more targets to be received by Ezekiel Elliott, Jarek McKinnon, Dion Lewis, and Tariq Cohen. Ezekiel Elliott, you know, his main point is the Dallas Cowboys no longer have Des Bryant or Jason Witten. Last year, they made up 44% of targets from Dak Prescott. Those targets have to go somewhere. I'm sure plenty will be going to Alan Hearns, their new wide receiver. But Ezekiel Elliott is the best player on the team. So you can definitely see his um, targets go up this season. Along with Elliott, there was Jarek McKinnon. Jarek McKinnon, uh, th- this is kind of something everybody's expecting because uh, Kyle Shanahan's a coach over there. You know, he came from the Falcons. When he was the Falcons head coach, the- Devontae Freeman, Tevin Coleman, they killed it. They're putting up wide receiver targets during games. And finally, there's uh, Deion Lewis. It's based off of their new offensive coordinator, Matt LaFleur. Last year, he was over in Los Angeles, and while he was over there, Todd Gurley saw a jump from 58 targets to 87 targets from 2016 to 2017. And Matt LaFleur was also the quarterback coach in Atlanta in 2015, and during that year, Matt Ryan threw 97 of his passes to Devontae Freeman. So... Matt LaFleur, his his history shows that uh, targets go up to running backs, so Deion Lewis should be seeing a higher share of targets in that backfield shared with Derrick Henry, who does not have much experience catching the ball, only receiving 32 targets over his career. So the bad article I pulled together, not necessarily a bad article written up by a fantasy specialist, it was just an article from the Kansas City Star, where they talk about Kareem Hunt receiving more touches this year. And the article states that Coach Andrew Reid said he hopes to involve Kareem Hunt more in the passing game. He said he liked Hunt finishing with 325 touches, but we probably need to expand his role in the passing game for the following year. I don't believe that's going to be the case. Don't always fall for Coach's talk. Um, Don't have Ware coming back. He's healthy. They drafted him early when they took him to be a part of the Kansas City Chiefs. And they also have Damian Williams and Ker- Kerwin Williams newly added to the roster. So I can't imagine uh, Kareem Hunt will be receiving that many more targets with that type of depth and experience at pass catchers that they already have on the team. Also, does Patrick Mahomes even know where to check down is? That's a good point. <laughs> That's
0: a good point. <laughs> like, it's either 60 yards or nothing. Exactly. Also, like...
1: Yeah, Sammy Watkins and Tyree Kill, yeah, sure, but...
0: Also, like, if he, you know, sure, it might be that Andy Reid's saying, like, oh, yeah, Kareem Hunt's going to receive more targets, but less total touches. He's not going to rush the ball as much. All right, so for my articles, uh, I'm going to start with the good article that I found. Uh, It is by Sam Schlesinger. I found that on Fantasy Pros. It's called The Ideal Zero Running Back Fantasy Football Draft. Now, if you know me, you know that I hate running backs, hate them. If I can find running backs late that I like enough, I will convince myself every time to go wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver. So a little bias towards this article, but you know, it is important to look at fantasy football trends and try to exploit it And with the way uh, the running backs, how they were so effective last year, um, you can start to see that there's going to be more running back heavy in the earlier rounds for drafts. And something that you can exploit is good top running backs being there a little bit later than they should be. So uh, this article kind of touches on, uh, like, you know, what your team would be and what your ideal situation would be if you went with, like, the zero running back strategy. So it lays out, you know, first two rounds, you're getting guys like um, you know, I'll pick like middle of the pack, like DeAndre Hopkins and Devonte Adams or AJ Green. Round three, you're targeting a tight end. So Gronk or Kelsey or Ertz trying to get one of the top guys. Round four, you're going for your wide receiver three. So you're going to get like Allen Robinson or Demarius Thomas. Round five, you're getting your quarterback. So five rounds in You're going to have a top-of-the-line quarterback by, you know, drafting them in the fifth round. You're going to have three top-wide receivers because a lot of people, because nobody else in your draft ended up – not picking a running back so you're always going to be kind of one up there and you were able to get a top tight end so you are tops at every single position except for those two running back spots so in order to address that he's target he mentions that targeting uh running backs in rounds about six or seven is where you start and so there you can get like lamar miller dion lewis you can get you know round seven you could go for like tariq cohen uh royce freeman Carrion johnson you know, round eight you can go with uh some more, you know, like a PPR guy, so Duke Johnson, a guy that can like always sneak in there if need be for about ten points a week. CJ Anderson, which we'll who we'll talk about a little bit later. So he shows he ended up doing this for a draft and he shows his team at the end he had Russell Wilson for wide receiver, you had DeAndre Hopkins, A.J. Green, and Demarius Thomas. He got Zach Ertz as his tight end, and his running backs were Deion Lewis and Lamar Miller. So he doesn't have a true like top-of-the-line running back one, but he has running backs that um, could be serviceable, serviceable for about 10 to 15 points a week. Um, and was able to, you know, exploit everyone else by getting other positions like the tight end and the quarterback um, earlier because he was targeting some of these later running backs. So that's that's my good article. You know, if that's a strategy you're thinking about doing, um, I would suggest that you check it out on the Fantasy Pros. And for my bad article, it's uh, probably my. I'm going to be talking about my least favorite. My my. What's another way to say least favorite?
1: My most loathed expert.
0: Yes, the most loathed. Yeah, I loathe this expert. And it's an expert that we've all heard of. It's an expert that signed our championship uh, trophy in my league. And that's Matthew Barry.
1: Boo,
0: boo, boo. boo. Now, a lot of it, I don't think it says fall. I mean, he is, like, too big at this point. He's the face of fantasy football. He's got to do too many things, and, you know, he can't be bold. And, you know, he, I feel that a lot of the things that he tells you are obvious. Uh, but he re- he recently released his 100 Facts article, which is, I think, the best article to look at every single year. However, so why
1: is it on your bad article?
0: Well, however, it was it would be on my good article <laughs> section. However, uh, he has a part in the beginning and shout out to my good friend Greg Russello for pointing this out to me. Uh, in the beginning, before he introduces it, he mentions about how um, statistics uh, they can be they can be like uh, misconstrued in a way. And he says that, and he admits that he can just choose the right stats to convince you to like the players that he likes. So for example, I'm just going to read you a little bit of what he says. Um, He's talking about, um, you know, how it's actually a lie. And he's like, a lie is a strong word. It's more than half the truth. It's definitely part of the picture, but not all of it. Just the part that supports whatever opinion I have of a player, whatever opinion I want to try to convince you of. You see, there's very little in this world I'm good at, but one thing I'm a world-class master at, manipulating stats to tell the story I want. Now, I know what he's trying to say. He's trying to say that, you know, all these experts, you know, they're going to have biases towards guys, against guys, and they're going to find the stats to support their opinions. However, I feel like the fact that he's admitting that when he gives his, uh, you know, public rankings when when he's trying to inform the public about fantasy football I feel that he needs to be honest about guys that he doesn't like For example I used to hate Randall Cobb I would find every reason not to draft him I'd find every reason to put him low in my rankings and every year especially early in his career I was so wrong and eventually I had to reevaluate it and say you know what this guy if you look at all of his statistics if you look at the way he runs routes he's a good football player And even though I had a bias against him, I had to get over it. And I feel like someone who is in the public eye doing this needs to report more honestly and not just give half the stats just because you have a certain opinion on a player. And that's why he's on my bad list, my naughty list. There's actually this tweet that reminds me of Matthew Barry. If you haven't seen <laughs> that tweet, please go check it out. Someone mentions about. All right. All right here it is. Okay. Y'all, just- uh, go for it. Go for it. Right.
1: Reggie Bush says, I never understand how restaurants serve cold or lukewarm food when it's supposed to be hot, especially if food is your only source of income. And then when I told the waitress it was cold, she brought back a different plate that was still cold, at which a random American citizen replied, I once drafted an RB in fantasy football that got me negative three yards on the season. Some people just suck at what they do. That man <laughs> was Reggie Bush. <laughs> that
0: is the most devastating response. <laughs> I, just, I just like love the ending. Like some people just suck at what they do. Like, hey, what are, what are you going to do, Reggie Bush?
1: You should know like that. Like Matt really Barry good. and picking fantasy players. Like know? Matthew Barry.
0: <laughs> like okay. Here's a little, here's a little like impromptu, random, uh, like expert analysis. Matthew Barry every single week is gonna do his love-hate for this week, and I guarantee you, you can guess who's gonna be on that list every single week. Don't even bother. He's going to give you about like three to four guys that are like, wow, this guy has been great all season and now he's playing a bad defense. You should start him. And on his hate list, he's going to be like, this guy hasn't been that good and he's playing Jacksonville. You should probably sit him. Thanks, Matthew Barry. (laughs) Like afraid to get, afraid to get dirty. He's afraid to get dirty.
1: If you got this guy, you got to start him. All right, Matthew Barry, he got me two points. <laughs> Hold yourself accountable.
0: <laughs> yeah, right? Or, like, instead of before your 100 facts, instead of saying, like, sometimes I decide to, you know, change the uh, the stats to do what my opinion says, why don't you just admit that sometimes you suck? Yes. Fun fact, last year, some guys in my league uh, ended up meeting, like, Barry and Field y- Yates, like, all the ESPN people, and they told them to look into the phone camera and tell uh, tell me that my team was trash. So I got you know there's a video of all the ESPN analysts uh, just booing me and telling me that my team is garbage. And fun fact, Field Yates went off on me.
1: He went he went a little overboard in that video. I've seen that and. Uh- Even Matthew Barry was like, all right, calm down.
0: Yeah, he was just kind of like shaking.
1: (laughs) Matthew Barry was kind of
0: just like shaking his head like, Zach, what are you doing? But Field Yates was like, you're garbage. You're trash. And it's like, look, they just asked you to talk bad about a guy that you don't even know. Like, calm down. We're coming for your job, Field Yates. Yeah, coming for you. (laughs) I actually like Field Yates, though. But so that's sad.
1: He has some good. I like his his, uh, approach to talking about fantasy.
0: Yeah. A little bit different than Matthew's. It's logical. Matthew Barry. All right. Do you want to get into the uh, the tough decision? The toughest decision? The decision. The decision. Now, so we kind of noticed that typically every year you got the guys that are locks at their position. You know, the top four or five guys are pretty much locks and they just go as ADP. You know, just one, two, three, four, five. Uh, however, there is kind of one position where it's pretty difficult to decide who you're going to go with because the guys are so similar but the difference could end up winning you or losing you uh, a championship and so that position is if you're picking third and Gurley and Bell go off the board you assuming
1: ha- Le'Veon Bell is playing game one week one and there's no fall off in his value well yeah, so if that changes then
0: then ignore this entire segment. <laughs> but, but if you know, if that's the case and you're picking third and you have a choice, you're either going David Johnson or Ezekiel Elliott, who are you taking? Let's break Zeke? it down. Let's break let's break it down. Let's break it down. So Mike, tell me tell me why.
1: Zeke Elliott. Alright, we're talking talking career here. Over there careers points per game. Ezekiel Elliott averages two more points than David Johnson. Granted, he's played eight less games, but the consistency has been there through 25. And I can only see that continuing with an increased workload this year. After putting last year, last year, 10 game sample. Right? 10 games? Yes. He was suspended six. Six based off his 10 games had he kept up the consistency of his work workload he would have finished 2017 with 428 touches granted he didn't play those full 16 games he only played 10 so he's coming in fresh this year expected to get an even higher workload with Dez and jason Wayne gone david johnson also coming coming in fresh with just a broken wrist should not impact his running ability that i would imagine <sighs> It's tough. It's tough because he averaged 25 and a half, a little over 25 and a half points per game in 2016 during his breakout year.
0: You know, and like just, just to add to it, like you mentioned about how Zeke had 428 touches and or he would, he would have had 428 touches if he kept up the average. When he would have been an RB2, that's in a PPR as well. So that's not, you know, that's not just, a, oh, you're only looking at standard because he doesn't catch the ball as much. Like he was... He was monstrous, and, you know, like you had mentioned that when Johnson played that full season in 2016, he averaged 25.7 points per game. Now, they're they're both in bad offenses, so that's kind of a wash. The Cowboys say that they want to get Zeke more involved in the passing game, so that keeps me, like, a little bit hopeful, but if we're talking, you know, I think it's going to—it's such a toss-up, right? Like, you mentioned that Zeke has averaged career more points, but— David Johnson, when he played that full season, had like four more points than Zeke's career average per game. You know, Zeke had so many touches that he would have been an RB2 in a full in a like full PPR. But David Johnson, when he played in 2016, he averaged five catches and 50 yards per game through the air. So he was averaging his blanketed points was 10 points.
1: That's That's not 10 points, not even getting handoffs. That's just them dumping it down to him.
0: Yeah. Not counting touchdowns, not counting uh, any rushing, just 10 points average per game through the air before you even start. Like just treat him like a defense. Just give him 10 points when the game starts. Exactly. You know, so it's like back and forth, like Zeke with the amount of touches Johnson with the amount of through the air so you know, I think we got to kind of like break it down. I honestly,
1: go back and forth just looking at these stats. I just, I honestly think Zeke, he's just he's just a safe, the safe choice. I mean, as safe as Dave Johnson is also a safe choice. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, we're talking about the Zeke third is, pick here. So pick.
1: they're both pretty good picks. You get either of them, but. <laughs> Johnson has the, I mean, obviously has the higher ceiling, I believe, just because of how involved he is in the passing game. And mm-hmm. their quarterback, Mr. Sammy Sleeves, <laughs> uh, is one for dropping the ball down. So by all means, I could see Johnson continuing with that five five catch minimum per game. Mm-hmm. But I just think Ezekiel Elliott's going to be just get everything and he had he had a lot of touches per game last year but he only played 10 games. So he's has those fresh legs. He's not going to have that DeMarco Murray slump after his huge year of all those touches. Mm-hmm.
0: All right, so and they still have the same of a line. So full PPR, who are you going
1: with? It's a Great question. Great question. <laughs> full PPR, obviously I obviously have to go with David Johnson. Just right. cuz a 10-point floor just for catching the ball. I'm going I'm going Johnson as well.
0: Half point is probably the mud, the toughest one.
1: Well, half point PPR that gives him in a seven seven point five point floor to start off with, which is still a nice floor to start with. But I I, I still think Zeke Elliott his his touch his targets are going to be going up this year as well. Yeah, I would a half point. I'd have to go Zeke.
0: One of these days we'll disagree. I'm going Zeke as well. Uh, and then in the standard <laughs> the standard pretty obvious. Yeah. yeah do we, we even have to talk half, about it? You're going Zeke. <laughs> Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah, so, you know, hopefully that made your your third pick, your third overall decision a little bit easier. And if you're picking fourth and one of these guys goes off the board, then you know what you're doing next.
1: <laughs> you are also passing on Antonio Brown.
0: Yeah, unfortunately, you have to. And he's going to be on the cover of Madden. That's a problem.
1: That's a huge problem.
0: That is, that's, that's scary.
1: Look at Tom Brady. Tom Brady was on the cover. We thought he almost survived it. And then we got Rex Burkhead. Headbutt in his hand in the playoffs. Mm.
0: Sexy Rexy, hurting the hurting the goat. <laughs> how did they when they picked the Madden picture? How did they not have Antonio Brown twerking? How was that not? He <laughs> so got fined for that. But how was that not? The, well, Madden doesn't care. They're not involved with the NFL. Actually, they probably they, they probably actually they, they have definitely, the rights the players. Yeah. <laughs> Never mind. That was stupid. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, they definitely are. Never mind. All right. Are you ready to get into the list?
1: Nite
0: So just a reminder, uh, when we get into the list, these are guys that um, that the experts kind of have a tough time ranking. So these are guys that, you know, some might rank them high, some might rank them low. And we're going to try to help you to figure out, like, who you we think is uh, most right on that. All right, so the first guy on our list is Carlos Hyde. His highest ranking was running back 22, but his lowest ranking was running back 74. He has a consensus ranking of running back 39. Currently his ADP, he's going at the 37th running back. Uh the number 1 expert from uh the ranked from 2017, Jake Seely, has him at 55. Uh, The number four expert, Sean Corner, who was previously the number one expert for 2015 and 2016, has him ranked at 38th. So, right around the consensus, but very different than Jake Seeley. Uh, ESPN has him at 42. Yahoo has him at 38. So, uh, a lot of up and down there. You know, mostly around in the 30s, some as low as 50, 60, 70s. So,. Uh, Mike, where do you see last year's ninth finishing running back finishing this year?
1: I'd say the consensus thirty nine is is a little still too high of an expectation. Maybe mid40s he'll be finishing up. but last year and the year before he was a great he was a great value pick. You could get him in mid to later rounds and you saw you see how he turned out. He was a ninth running back and seventeenth running back overall. But this year that later round value will finally show through to what he actually is worth.
0: All right. So you said like around the um, mid-40s. Okay, so like around the mid forties. So guys that are in the forties, you got CJ Anderson, James White, Carlos Hyde. Uh just you know, some I'm just looking at like a real quick like list. Aaron Jones, Bilal Powell, DeWanta Foreman, Devontae Booker. So does he feel right there? Because there are some guys above him in the thirties, you would have Chris Thompson, On Johnson, Rex Burkhead, Tariq Cohen, Tevin Coleman. Uh, so do you, you know, you feel confident that uh, those guys are above him and Carlos Hyde is below?
1: Yeah, pretty. I mean, that's, that's pretty much where I feel he's going to be. You know, I think CJ Anderson's definitely going to have a better year than Carlos Hyde. Mm-hmm. I believe you just said they have him ranked lower than him. And I, I'd say he has a better year. Um, not to get off topic, Chris Thompson, he was all boomer bust. I could see him <laughs> yeah. falling b- below Hyde but yeah i definitely see hyde falling off this year they have duke johnson there who i don't see having a huge running back role i feel like he's going to be a McCaffrey type guy we'll let us throw him out in the slot mm-hmm. or just bring him in for a dink and dump for a couple yards when they need it and you can't forget they drafted nick chubb when a team drafts a running back as high as that the browns did with the the skill set that he has you you gotta expect they're gonna give him the ball
0: yeah, I mean, uh, Anthony Stags from Pyromaniac says, uh, before Chubbs was, Chubb was drafted, I was all over Hyde. And I could, I could agree oh, with I'm that. Oh, I'm the same way. Yeah.
1: As soon as they took Hyde, I knew they weren't going to take Barkley anymore. And prior to them acquiring Hyde, I thought that they definitely 100% were going to be drafting Saquon Barkley.
0: And they probably should have. But he... Um, but he continues and said, but a situation this muddied with no defined roles makes me unlikely to draft the back with the most fantasy draft capital attached to his name, which unfortunately for Carlos Hyde is him. He's going above Duke Johnson and going above Nick Chubb. So, you know, giving the uh, the highest draft capital for these guys uh, is kind of tough.
1: Yeah, I definitely think Duke's going to finish above them. Like, I ble- yeah, he's going to be higher. He was higher than Hyde last year, wasn't he? No, Carlos Hyde
0: Hyde finishes the uh, ninth running back. Duke Johnson was, ooh, the 11th.
1: Of running backs? Yeah, he was, wow. Yeah, so he was right behind. I mean, he he was catching balls. And Carlos Hyde's not cutting into that at all. They brought in Duke Johnson on plays to throw him the ball. They did not bring him in to start drives, to lead drives downfield. They brought him in to throw him the ball.
0: Yeah, now Cleveland is a more improved team, though. Oh, definitely. So they're not gonna be needing to bring in Duke Johnson as much. Like I don't think Duke Johnson has the eleventh running back finish that he did last year. But it just no, definitely not. It just shows that this is a guy that, hey, if they're in any trouble, uh, or if you know, if it is a passing down situation, you know, Carlos Hyde's not seeing the field.
1: He's not, because if for any reason, Josh Gordon or Jarvis Landry or Corey Coleman or David Njoku Mm. is not open. Duke Johnson will be open and they'll put him in and get him the ball.
0: Yeah. And, you know, if it was just Carlos Hyde on first and second down, Duke Johnson on third down, you know, that would be fine. There's plenty of the top backs that have that that third down pass catching running back that rotates them out with. But having Nick Chubb in there who was drafted by Cleveland early they're they're going to get use for him but just for like just some stats on Carlos Hyde because we are talking about the ninth best running back last year so in 2017 he was the ninth best running back 2016 17th best in 2015 and 2014 he wasn't the full starter but he still averaged uh four yards per carry he ranked last year second in the NFL and runs inside the five with 16 don't see that happening as much this year. There's just too many running backs. I don't see him getting all of those rushes inside uh, you know, the 5 or the 10 zone. Uh, he finished as the ninth best running back because he had the 11th most carries with 240 and the 5th most targets, 85. It wasn't because he was super effective. His yards per carry dropped from 4.39 career to 3.9, and his yards after contact dropped from 2.17 to 1.8. So he was really only successful because of the volume, and how does he get that volume with this crowded backfield? With less carries, less catches, and a downward trend of yards per carry and yards after contact, it is really hard to love him. Very hard. That's really hard. Your official, your official ranking of him is running back...
1: 43. See, yeah. Take it to the bank.
0: Oh, uh, I, can, I can get behind that. I mean, the guy uh, where they have him in the 50s and like lower, it, that's just too low for a guy who, you know, career has a, like a four yards per carry. Um, You know, he is on a downtrend and now in a more, uh, you know, crowded backfield. So I don't expect him to be great. But I would say that he is about looking at ADP wise. I would say that he is about end of the thirties. I'm going to stick him at 36.
1: 36. Yeah. You see, I just think there's 32 36. teams in the league. So we're saying he's not better than any starter on any team, but yeah. he's definitely like top half of RB twos on those teams. Yeah. Cause that's are, the way I'm thinking of it. Yeah.
0: Cause there are guys that are like, you know, there are plenty of teams that have, you know, their rusher and their passing back that are going to be better. You know, Mark Ingram is up there. Um, like higher and you know Deion Lewis is up there and high with you know Derrick Henry so
1: every time I see Carlos Hyde come up I'm like like the highest value player for me to take with my next pick in mock drafts I can't even reason with myself like what's the best possible outcome that Nick Chubb's a bust and it's just him and Duke
0: yeah it's like and they drafted him early so they're gonna want to get him involved like especially if things don't go well
1: for Carlos Hyde yeah, it's just what what do you have to gain as a fantasy owner of Carlos Hyde? Yeah, not much.
0: <laughs> Moving on, next on the list is CJ Anderson. His highest ranking is 29th, but his lowest is 53rd. It's a guy that a lot of people are uh, forgetting about and writing off. Consensus, he's uh, running back 40, so more people have him towards that 53 than that 29. Uh, ADP-wise, he's going as the 39th around his consensus. Jake Seeley has him at 45, Uh, Sean Corner has him at 48, so around the same, ESPN has him at 50, but Yahoo has him at 37, so, you know, it might seem like, you know, late 30s, 40s, 50s, that's all around the same, there's not much, but it's pretty much a difference of about 20 running backs, 20 players, so there is kind of a big difference, and I feel like there's this, I feel like there's just this almost... Uh, like people forget that c j. Anderson is in the league at all and like has done anything recently. uh, so you know, I'm willing to find out maybe is he even higher than his highest ranking at twenty nine So Mike, tell us what you think.
1: I would definitely say he's higher than twenty nine and I'll be honest, prior to um just getting ready for this podcast, I completely forgot that he even had a thousand yard year last year because that Broncos offense was terrible. They could never get anything going but CJ Anderson in this offense an offense that can actually that doesn't have to work through the ground game with him Cam Newton can get the ball downfield they have Christian McCaffrey as a nice little drop down option I definitely think he'll have a much more productive year than last year he'll continue the 1000-yard year he'll Cam Newton might steal some touchdowns from him inside the five I think I think that might fall off this year though Cam's getting older I don't think they want him taking those hits as much he'll get that he'll get that work but Definitely a top 25 running back this year, which I don't think is that difficult for him to do.
0: Yeah, I mean, like you mentioned how he was a 1,000-year rusher in an awful offense, like an awful offense, and he still managed a 1,000 yards. You know, he – and the best thing about him is his value. A 1,000-yard rusher that's ADP-wise going as the 39th running back off the board who now goes into an improved offense. Yes, Christian McCaffrey's is there, but they've said they're not giving him – more, you know, they're not going to give him more carries. You know, he didn't get the touchdown. Just more
1: touches and more touches in general. They plan on keeping McCaffrey's role the exact same, keep him the same in the running game and the passing game.
0: Yeah, so if anything, and the fact that they now have a better runner, because let's be honest, C.J. Anderson is way better than Jonathan Stewart. Yeah, Stewart's I, at, a dinosaur. At his age, yeah. But like, like, C.J. Anderson is no joke. He's only 27 years old. Since coming into the league, he has a 4.4 yards per carry and 1.97 yards after contact, which ranks sixth amongst uh, 28 other running backs with at least 600 carries. So he's six out of 28 top guys in terms of yards per carry and yards after contact. He uh, Last year, he only had four touchdowns which was, you know, which brought down his fantasy stock. But Jonathan Stewart, who's leaving, rushed for 29 red zone carries last year. That's 29 red zone carries that are now going to go to C.J. Anderson. And they saw what kind of rusher McCaffrey was, and then they went out and got C.J. Anderson. They realized that they needed something new.
1: They knew exactly what they had in McCaffrey and they knew Jonathan Stewart was way too old to be bringing back and they went out and got this guy and he had a great year last year. Yards, yards wise, there weren't that many thousand yard rushes last year. And the fact that he did it in his offense. Yeah. Stewart's touches have to go somewhere. And he had 198 last year. I could see see CJ Anderson getting at least 220, 225. They'll have more faith in giving him the ball. And they also have less faith in giving McCaffrey the ball. I had him last year, and as an owner, I watched every single one of his touches. And every time they handed him the ball, I just asked myself why. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, even as an owner for injury. Yeah,
0: yeah, and you know, passing the ball. And I feel like they were giving McCaffrey the rushes because they didn't they didn't believe that Jonathan Stewart could handle so much. But like they know that CJ Anderson can handle. They he can handle more than 198. Absolutely, he's a big boy. Now, okay, so with this being said, why then do you think that his ADP is so low so like what's the negative so because like I'm not I'm not ranking down Christian McCaffrey even after all this with like CJ Anderson I think Christian McCaffrey is a great running back so I'm not ranking him down so like why do you think CJ Anderson's ADP is 39th so like he's going he's going uh, behind guys like uh, Isaiah Crowell. Carlos Hyde, Jamal Williams, Rex Burkhead, Chris Thompson, Marshawn Lynch. So why is he below those guys? Why do you think so?
1: He should not be below Isaiah Crowell. Isaiah Crowell, okay, that is that is a very Fugazi consensus ranking of Isaiah Crowell. <laughs> I don't think we're talking about him on this show. There's that's... our drop of Isaiah Crowell. What is he doing up there? He's on the Jets now, sharing touches. CJ Anderson, negatives, not the best pass catcher, and... Not that he should be seeing many targets anyway, because that's what McCaffrey's there for. I don't like I said I could definitely see him getting getting more touches than Stewart got last year, mm-hmm. and Stewart got plenty of red zone carries compared to what CJ Anderson got the year. So that's I mean that's only negatives I can see is that he's just not a pass catcher, and this is PPR, so they're they're just heavily taking that into account into him maybe getting one or two targets a game.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he's one. Di- I mean, yeah, no doubt, he's just one-dimensional, and that's that's his downfall. But to be ranked 39th, a starter in a good offense who had a thousand yards in a bad offense last year, like, so if we're gonna rank him right now, you know, he's my he's my running back twenty-four. He's an RB two.
1: Like yeah, he's definitely an RB two, and, and for his value, you can get him so late. Yeah. You can go, Zach was talking about his draft strategy, which I never understood. I've tried doing it before, the wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver, and then, mm-hmm. I, out it, then I always end up choosing the wrong running backs, but he's great value. I mean, worst comes to worst, he's definitely a serviceable flex play. Oh, yeah. Any any If you can start a running back in your flex position, oh, that's yeah. a winning situation.
0: Oh, yeah, and he's going right now as the seventh pick of the eighth round, like fine. That's absolutely fine for a guy that could be for a guy that could be your RB2 and or if at worst, your flex play in the seventh pick, of the eighth round, like absolutely fine.
1: Yeah. Eighth round. I mean, eighth round, you're still usually I mean, eighth round, I'm usually have my starting running backs and wide receivers picked. And I go late, late with my quarterback. So I'm just drafting. I'm usually eighth round. I'm starting my bench ads. Mm hmm. And if I'm adding CJ Anderson as a bench add, who could easily be a starter, that's great. You could use it for trade bait later on in the season. Somebody else who busted on a running back. Hey, I got this starting running back. He's good for 12 to 15 points a game. You needed someone to fill your running back slot.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's there's just so much you can do with them. So I think we're like we're both pretty much set on like at the ADP, absolutely take him. We can see him finishing as an RB two, like as RB 24.
1: And I could see his ADP increasing by the time week three preseason rolls around, week four preseason when most leagues start doing their drafts and everybody is doing their mock drafts. I could definitely see that his ADP increasing.
0: Yeah, because by then we'll see, you know, how involved he is in that offense. I mean, it's going to be great for them to have, like, a a good... An actual running back. I just never
1: understood... I never understood them giving the ball to Jonathan Stewart, and I never understood them handing the ball to Christian McCaffrey.
0: Yeah, he's just... Jonathan Stewart's just too much of a bowling ball, and I feel like... It wasn't a
1: good bowling ball.
0: No, no, he was (laughs) was just going straight. Like, that's it. And, uh, like, CJ Anderson's actually talented. And his only problem, his only problem last year was the touchdowns. Like... 15 rushes for 78 yards in week eight. You know he only got. He eight was points. the
1: ninth leading rusher last year in the league. Yeah, and there were only nine people that had a thousand yards, and he was one of them. And he had the least amount of carries by far. So he was the he like the most successful. <laughs> he had 33 less yards than Leonard Fournette, and he had 23 less carries.
0: Leonard Fournette running into those stacked boxes, baby. Moving on, moving on, moving on, moving on, keeping it moving. Uh, next we have on the list is a tandem Rex Burkhead and Sony Michelle we'll just call this the the Patriots
1: <laughs> fun fact Sony Michelle's parents actually own a Best Buy and their best-selling product is a Sony 72 inch plasma and that is how he received his name
0: get that get out you're lying
1: <laughs> you've got
0: you had me for two <laughs> seconds you had me I'll give it to you I <laughs> <laughs> I kinda wish I believed it for a little bit longer. <laughs> you're like the Matthew <laughs> Barry right now. You're Matthew Barry. You're just, you know, you're making stats say what you want them to say. I'm
1: just weaving these lies.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so Rex Burkhead, Sony Michelle, we're gonna do them in tandem because as a high, they are both ranked in the top twenty. Burkhead's high is seventeen, Michelle's high is fifteen. And honestly, they both can't finish there. There's not enough. There's not enough going around for the Patriots for both of them to finish there. They're two different kind of running backs. So let's talk about it a little bit. Let me give you their uh, what the experts are saying about them first, and then we'll talk about who do we think is going to be that guy to finish high and who do we think is going to be the guy to finish low. So Burkhead, his highest was 17th. Low is running back 57. Consensus, 35. ADP, 35. Jake Sealy, 44, Sean Corner, 34, ESPN, 38, Yahoo, 32, a lot in the 30s. There's a lot like around running back uh, 30, and that's where his ADP is right now. Uh, Michelle, his high is 15, his low is 41, so his high is a little bit higher, low is a little bit higher as well. Consensus, twenty-eighth, ADP, 23, a lot of people are jumping up on him. His, you know, ADP is a running back too. Uh, Jake Sealy has him at 30 Sean corner a little bit higher at 25 which even though that's just five five uh five steps up that's pretty significant because that's just on the fringe of running back two ESPN has him at 21 Yahoo has him at 31 so again running back two versus running back three so um Michelle a little bit more than others people are kind of like jumping up and down with Burkhead still like around the middle in the 30s so let's talk a little bit about who we think is going to be the guy and who we think is going to be the guy to fall.
1: Sony Michelle. I mean, the Pats took him in the first round. You got him to think that Bill Belichick knows what he's doing. are not. They're not wasting picks. Those Patriots. I think he's going to be the guy. I mean, he could just be a Gillis Lee, where he's going to be huge the first two weeks and then he's going to fumble a couple times and he's going to be thrown to the dogs. But I could definitely see him being the next. He's a Deion Lewis 2.0. He is. <laughs> Why'd they get rid of Deion Lewis? Did they just not want to pay him? I have no idea. They could get this guy a rookie contract for four years. I guess that makes sense. Leave more room to fill other key positions. So, just based off what the Patriots do, they love their their receiving backs. Rex Burkhead, great receiving back. So is Sony Michel. Rex Burkhead has proven it in the NFL. Sonny Michel has not. But like I said, just the fact that they took him in the first round, that has to show that they're going to give him a shot.
0: And it's like good that you mentioned that he is Deion Lewis 2.0 because it has to do with kind of the timing of everything happening, right? So no Patriots running back had uh, more than 15 rushes, or it, sorry, it only happened once where a running back had more than 15 rushes before week 16. And then in week 16 and 17, they gave Deion Lewis over 20 rushes and it worked out insanely well. So it seemed that they realized that they needed a guy to be an all three down rusher like Deion Lewis is not just your bowling ball straight up the middle and then just your passing back switching in and out. They want someone that could do
1: it all. And then as effective as they were last year with swapping running backs in and out, they don't want to just play their hand, show their hand every play that, oh, we got Rex Burkhead and this is what they're doing. Oh, they got James White and this is what they're doing. Having that multiple down back, the other de- the other team's defense won't be able to anticipate as well as they could prior to just throwing a passing guy, a receiving guy in there, and just a running guy in there.
0: Yeah, and like the big thing with him too is like, Tom, like, like you said, like they kind of want someone that could do it all to not show their hand. And like the biggest thing about Michelle, which makes me see him as a three down back, is that he has great pass blocking abilities. And I think that that's huge for an older quarterback like Tom Brady. That even when he's not getting the ball, they're gonna they're gonna want him in there to help with blocking. So I see him getting way more snaps than Rex Burkhead.
1: Yeah, and just the way I see it right now, Julian Edelman has the four game suspension. I think that they might just throw James White out there in the slot, have Sony Michelle be their RB one, and Burkhead be the change of pace guy. Just to start off the season and then they'll see what Sony can do, and based off of that.
0: Yeah, and James White's played like been a passer, pass catcher before. So you
1: and he's know He's come out of the slot before. Yeah, that that, that's him, what I meant. Yeah, yeah. There'll be a shotgun and they'll be like, oh, option out. James White, seven yard slant to him.
0: Now, let's not forget Burkhead here because the thing is like the reason why it could be, you know, someone has ranked him as high as 17th is that. He he had gets tw- well, he had the 12th most fantasy points between week seven and 15. So he- it's kind of like the, what have you done for me lately? Like recently he's been great up until that, like Dion Lewis explosion.
1: But that was because he was injured. I believe.
0: Burkhead- Are we having this
1: conversation right now? If he doesn't get injured and he continues the play that he had.
0: No. Yeah. yeah. So, so this is as if like, they're both starting the season healthy it's just, I think, A, they don't go out and get Michelle if they don't plan on using him, and using him a lot. They saw what happened at the end of the season with a, a Deion Lewis-type running back, and it worked so well out of the backfield and in the passing game. And now this guy's a better pass blocker, and Rex Burkhead, he's never had more than 74 carries or 30 receptions in a season. So even if it's like, the, sure, Rex Burkhead's like been here and done it, it's like, really, has he? He's never taken like a full RB1 load, and Sony Michelle can do it all.
1: It's kind of a kind of a what is it? It's apples and potatoes, tomatoes and oranges. What's, what's the comparison? Comparing I bring apples and tomatoes. Uh, I <laughs> <Because> would, <you're laughs>
0: I'd probably say apples and oranges, apples and oranges, apples and potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Sure, you can yeah. I mean <laughs> that analogy also works. Apples and potatoes.
1: We're talking about Rex Burkhead's like previous work. I mean he came from the Bengals where they had Jeremy Hill and Giovanni Bernard who were both RB1s and he was he was just the uh fullback for them. So he's not gonna get a hundred touches with those guys ahead of him. And then he came to the Patriots with those guys ahead of him. They picked up Gillis Lee, who was the lead horse until he started fumbling the ball. And James White, we already knew what James White and Deion Lewis could do from the previous season. So I could see that his touches were down. I just think it's hard to talk about his touches when he was literally a fullback with the Bengals. Fair. It's like John Kuhn. You talk about like if John John Kuhn gets traded to a team, it's like, well, he doesn't have much previous work. It's like, yeah, he was a fullback and now he's a halfback. (laughs) It's like that makes sense. That's true yeah
0: all right so verdict who is your guy that's ahead and who's your guy that gets left behind and then tell me where you rank them
1: honestly i'll put them both at 100 i don't want either of them but if uh, i have to pull get, me to get rank out them, of here they're bro. not actual hundreds i'm saying i wouldn't take them if they were there in the 15th I would take Sony Michelle if he was there in the fifteenth round, and I wouldn't rec- take Rex Burkhead. So that goes to say where I think the rank rec- should go. <laughs> Wait, Sony?
0: You- <laughs> no, 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 no. Rewind. No, no, no. You're not getting away that easily. Rewind. Why? Why are you not taking either one of these guys? And okay, yeah. Tell me why. Okay,
1: Sony Michelle definitely has the higher ceiling. I think you're not
0: answering you- my question. Why are you not taking
1: either one of these yeah. guys? Yeah. Well, I'm saying I don't. They're the Patriots. The Patriots, the Patriots, it's the Patriots, it's the Patriots. Patriots.
0: Yeah, no. I've got to
1: say it again, it's the Patriots.
0: I I, know, I get Mike Gillis-Lee
1: had like five touchdowns the first two weeks and saw maybe 10 touches the rest of the year.
0: Yeah. No, no, I get that. James White,
1: Deion Lewis, and Rex Burkhead all put up like 9 to 12 points for consecutive weeks at one point. Do you really want to gamble on which one it's going to be to get those points?
0: No, you're right. No, I get that. I –
1: my I'm whole not one for gambling. I like taking the guy who I know is gonna do something.
0: All right, all right. So who's I'm okay. to rank him?
1: Sony yeah. Michelle definitely definitely take Sony over Rex Burkhead because Rex Burkhead's role could easily be taken by James White. So
0: Burkhead is ranked where? Give him something. Is he buy his ADP at thirty-five? His ADP at thirty-five would put him around Jamal Williams, Carlos Hyde, Isaiah Cruell, CJ Anderson, Duke Johnson, Aaron Aaron Jones, Nick Chubb.
1: Uh, yeah, I'd say I'd say he's definitely after 32. Like I said, my mindset right now is comparing him to starting running backs on other teams. Mm-hmm. I definitely think there's 32 other guys that are going to get it done more than him, mm-hmm. just because of the huge share they're going to be having.
0: Uh, what about Michelle? Where is he at? So if he's higher than in the 30s,
1: Michelle just has a huge ceiling, I think. And I would definitely i want to say definitely.
0: So let's so i will not make trying to be a loser I'll, here and I'll, just pick one or the other. I'll make it easier for you. His let's just say he hits his ceiling. He like it. He explodes. Where's
1: he finish? I don't think his ceiling's RB one, so I definitely don't think he's in the twelves. Okay, RB. I think he's a low RB. I'd say maybe twenty if he hits his ceiling. It's just so twenty. is like... He, even tw- if he hits a ceiling, he could hit his ceiling one week. So twenty and then be gone.
0: Twenty going on is Rashad Penny, Jay Ajayi, Kenyon Drake, and then Sonny Michelle
1: for ADP wise. So you yes, think he hearing, moves the, up? hearing those names. I would definitely put him in with them. Okay.
0: You're absolutely right. Like the Patriots are the... the... Patriots
1: way is what's making me just think negatively about these guys' performance.
0: Having a Patriots running back is literally the scariest thing you could do in fantasy football. I just think that Sony Michel is like the first time they've had a pure three-down back guy. His pass-blocking ability is draft in the first round i think that they're gonna try to change their look to have a guy that's like look this guy's more talented than your guys so our best against your best so michelle for me is pretty high um i'm gonna actually put him as you know an rb2 i'm gonna take derrick henry out of there and i'm gonna put him at 18 um and sexy rexy i'm so sorry you can stay at your adp at 35
1: yeah I i think that's pretty accurate are you ready for this jordan howard the man who plays for a team
0: the last and final guy on our list is jordan howard he had a high ranking of running back 11 but a low of running back 41 consensus is a 16 and adp he's going at 15 uh jake seeley has him at 17 uh, about the same for sean corner Um, ESPN 16 Yahoo 15 so it's pretty much everybody has him around that uh, 15 16 like in the teens range except for one guy named Anthony Amico from Rotoviz. he's the guy who has him at 41 so tell us why is last year's 15th ranked running back being ranked as a 41 by this guy. Is there any truth to it? Or is he still around in the teens as a like high-end RB2?
1: His ranking of 41 given by Anthony Amico. Anthony Amico, he must have something to do with the Giants scout team because the Giants drafted Paul Perkins, the pick right before the Bears selected Jordan Howard. There has to be some type of hatred of Anthony Amico towards Jordan Howard to place him that low at running back 41 this year. Jordan Howard, in my opinion, he will wind up finishing right around his ADP and consensus of the mid to late teens. In my mind, he is an RB2, ceiling, RB2, floor, RB2. That is just where he will go this year. Whether he's a high-end RB2 or a low-end RB2, that that could be debated right now, but he's definitely gonna be finishing in that RB2 slot, not RB4 that Anthony Amico has not going at
0: so do you think uh because like last year he finished as the 15th running back do you think that he uh stays about the same goes higher or goes like a or like a little bit lower than the 15th running back
1: 15 i mean 15 is a pretty good spot for him like you said um ever since entering the league since he was drafted in 2016 he ranks fifth in the nfl in carries third in rushing yards eighth in yards per carry Ninth in yards after contact and ninth in fantasy points. And although Tariq Cohen could be stealing from work from him this year because their new head coach Nagy is a huge fan of him, I just think Tariq Cohen will be coming on passing plays. He'll be more of a change of pace back third down guy, not so much eating into Jordan Howard's workload. Also this year, the Bears. Not I'm not sure how much you can look into this, but the Bears as of right now preseason rankings they have the easiest running back schedule. So that's definitely a, a thumbs up for Jordan Howard moving forward this year.
0: See, for me, like, I think that if Anthony Amico wasn't so bold as to put him at 41, like, if he was somewhere, like, in the 20s, I could totally get behind it. Just because, like, like... an
1: RB3, maybe? Like, a flex no, play? So
0: I still think that he's finishing as an RB2. Um, I just think that... So there are a few... Like, nothing... Nothing really changes, like, vastly for him except for the um, the coaching change with Matt Nagy and the fact of how much he loves Tariq Cohen. And I think it's more, like, where I would disagree is I don't think it's just going to be passing downs. So, like, like, this is what Matt Nagy said about Tariq Cohen. You may look like you can run routes, but can you really run routes? He's able to run routes, Nagy said. Sometimes that can be a disadvantage to a defense because they've got to cover him all over the field. You can't just put him in the backfield and say to the middle linebacker, cover him. So we'll try to do some things here. He's an athletic kid who does a lot of things well. We'll have some fun with him. I think that like, you know, what he's really getting at and the way that Tariq Cohen has talked about where they've put him in the offense in the offseason so far, like they want him on the field much more to make it tougher for defenses. So, you know, I can see that. Like, I can see a future where, like, Jordan Howard is still productive. I mean, like, nothing really changes for him. Like you said, he's got a really easy running back schedule based on, you know, last year's rankings of uh, defenses. But I just think that the Matt Nagy really wants Tariq Cohen to be on the field to make it tougher for defenses. So I just see less carries, less work, therefore less production. I don't see it where, you know, he falls to 41. I think that that's, that that's pretty crazy. You know, he's still going to be uh the lead back and they're still gonna mix Tariq Cohen around a little bit
1: I so just, think, just more of a low-end RB2 yeah 20 like 20 to 24
0: I would say i put him at 20 I have to say that he goes from 15 town to 20 that's what
1: I would say there's two two things to be skeptical about very very nitpicky is uh one is Mitchell Trubisky guy who's supposed to be leading him up and down the field last year he only averaged 16 completions a game for 180 yards a game that that does allow teams to load up the box to stop the run, because I would much rather Mitchell Trubisky try to beat me than Jordan Howard, who who's proven proven running back in the NFL. So stack the box and by all means force Trubisky to beat you down the field. And secondly, this is this is extremely nitpicky. Jordan Howard is extremely easy, ranked the easiest schedule. Come championship week 16. He's playing the Minnesota Vikings. Not exactly. A matchup you won your RB two going against when you need those points to win the league.
0: Yeah, but you can't really think that far ahead.
1: But you can, cause uh, I did.
0: <laughs> I, I don't know. I I think that that like you said, that's extreme nitpicky. That's that's, that's
1: extreme nitpicky.
0: Uh, for me, I'm personally throwing that out the window. I think that that like you got to get to the championship first. Then if you think that Jordan Howard's gonna get you there, you worry about championship week when it comes. You know, a lot can happen in 16 weeks and you might have guys that you can stick in for that week uh, because you don't like the matchup. Uh,
1: but, you know. As much as I as I dislike Mitchell Trubisky and how I think that's going to have a negative impact on Jordan Howard. He can't get much worse there. They can only go uphill from here. right?
0: Well, And th- he was on the team last year, you know, so he was the 15th running back with Mitchell Tr- Trubisky averaging that last year. They got Allen Robinson so they improved in wide receiver. They have Trey Burton so they improved at tight end. You know, Tariq Cohen's going to be mixing it around, moving it around. You know, I think that defenses are going to have a little bit of a tougher time just deciding to stack the box. I mean, it's going to be interesting like like you said, look, if I have to if I'm a defense, uh, you know, I'm a defensive coordinator and I'm saying to myself, you know, Uh, I got to pick one to shy off of, Jordan Howard or Mitch Trubisky. Like, I'm going to let Trubisky, like, try his hand. Yeah, like, see what you can do. Uh, But I don't think it's going to be as, you know, as black and white where they're just going to be like, hey, eight guys in the box every play. Like, uh, you know, I think that they have enough talent where defenses are going to have to try to get, like, a little bit more creative and watch the outside. But, no, but I see see what you're saying a little bit. You know, I just think that uh, not – a, not an, an insane amount has changed so um so uh, i'm going with 20 final verdict
1: yeah i mean I, i'm fine with the 15 i he's gonna finish somewhere in rb2 territory just depending on how much uh, of the work is stolen from cohen nice by cohen
0: now that we have finished with our running back list let's move into a quick social media update All right, so like one of the things that was popping up on Twitter uh, for something that I mentioned this week uh, was about handcuffs. And um, I actually had more people say that they like handcuffing running backs than I thought. So let's spend a little bit of time talking about that. Do you handcuff? Should you handcuff? Uh, When do you if you're going to? Uh, Tell me what you think about handcuffs.
1: Handcuffs? personally, all right, too personal, too is here, I suppose. Personally, if your handcuff isn't a stud running back, and by stud, I'm talking about the Mark Ingrams and the Tevin Coleman's and the Deion Lewis's of the world, you save your your cuff for the 15th round. Like if for some reason you got, you draft Melvin Gordon, you can take Austin Eakler in the 15th round just to cover you in case he gets injured. But to that point, you're 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 gambling you're betting on your running back getting injured and not gambling on a sleeper pick which i definitely think is a better value to you the second personally to this is the whole Kamara ingram situation as i stated during the podcast i have the sixth pick in my draft and this whole time i've been thinking alvin kamara alvin kamara alvin kamara if i take alvin kamara i have to cuff ingram but zach's made some good points as to why i shouldn't even be considering the cuff
0: Yeah, so the thing is, is that where you got to take marketing... Well, first of all, let me give you my cuffs in general. I don't think ever in my entire career as a fantasy owner have I ever handcuffed a single running back in my life. Uh, This is why. If... I, If you handcuff a guy, you're basically saying that you are going to use a roster spot for a guy that you do not project to be a starter. It's basically like you're drafting one complete player. It's if your running back gets hurt week eight, then that guy comes in week eight and finishes the rest of the season for you. So it's two picks for one complete player. Now, Ingram Kamara was way different last year, and I know some people like yourself actually had both of them, and they were really successful. Uh, a that's an anomaly and B so like for this year Mark Ingram is suspended. And he's suspended 4 weeks then he comes back for a week and then has the bye, correct?
1: No, the bye is actually week 6. He has one game week 5, bye week 6. Gotcha. So
0: he plays one game before he plays one game before week 7. And fantasy playoffs start week 14. You're losing Mark Ingram for almost half of the season because it's five of the 13 weeks so you're pretty close to about half of the season where you have to draft him a third pick of the fifth round you can draft another starter who a is not going to be sitting for uh um, for four weeks at the beginning of the season and b let's just say kamara comes out and kills it and they just decide you know what mark ingram you're old as dirt Uh, we're just gonna go with Kamara and you're not gonna get as much work as last year. Now you didn't even draft a stud. You didn't even draft a starter who was suspended. Like there's arguments for drafting like Julian Edelman who's suspended. But for me, for a handcuff, it has to be someone that I think is actually better than the starter. So like, I'm not, actually it's not even a handcuff then. Like I'm not drafting both of them. Like if you want to draft Deion Lewis and Derrick Henry, You would have to draft Deion Lewis in the 10th pick of the 5th. This is ADP-wise. And Derrick Henry with the 11th pick of the 3rd. Two running backs in the same team in two rounds. In the 3rd round and then in the 5th round. Why would you do that to yourself? You know, only one of them is going to be good. Or, it's they're both going to split. And now you have two average players that you wasted a 3rd round pick and a 5th round pick for. You either pick the guy you think is going to be good... And then move on or, or nothing, actually just nothing. Just, I, I can't even see a scenario where I say that I'm handcuffing someone personally.
1: Yeah, no, the more I think about it, the more I personally want to finagle my way later into the draft and just drop draft spots. All right. Like I said, if, if, if I thought if you had Camara you have to have Ingram, but why, why do you have to have him? Yeah, you, you don't.
0: don't. No, you don't. It's
1: nice if they put up the production of last year, but they're not going to have that two to one. They're going to have that two to one passing the rushing touchdown ratio again.
0: Yeah, it was that was just such an anomaly that it was just like, I think that's probably got to be like the, and it, you know people say like for for the injuries too like look, if your stud gets injured and it's like oh i didn't handcuff him like don't worry if you had a good draft or you've been using the waiver wire well you have another running back on your bench who's serviceable who's serviceable not worth it so yeah um you know if you're thinking about handcuffing this year give it a second thought it's just you don't want to use two picks to get one complete player
1: sleepers greater than handcuffs boom official you heard it here first
0: all right, so for uh, before we go, we're going to do a new segment called Flip Flop, where we are going to uh, do a rapid-fire round of questions where we're just going to give each other two guys. It is the running back show, so this week we'll be doing running backs. We're going to give them two guys that are either ranked like right next to each other or two similar type of running backs, and uh, you're going to have just a few seconds to list who would you rather have on your team. All right, so the rapid-fire flip-flop round begins now. Mike, Alvin Kamara or Saquon
1: Barkley? Saquon Barkley. I had high hopes for Kamara after finding out I was drafting sixth in my fantasy league, but after doing more research and them recently acquiring Shane Vereen, I'm starting to have second thoughts on that.
0: Kareem Hunt or Leonard Fournette?
1: Leonard Fournette, Kareem Hunt. Plays for the Kansas City Chiefs, coached by Andy Reid. If there's three things guaranteed in life, it's death, taxes, and Andy Reid running backs not getting enough touches.
0: (laughs) Jarek McKinnon or Joe Mixon?
1: Jarek McKinnon will be getting those targets, baby. Kyle Shanahan, baby.
0: Alex Collins or Rashad Penny?
1: Had Alex Collins last year added him. Ooh, Adam, week three or four, he was a hot ad, but I believe pronounced by Matthew Barry. I listened to Matthew Barry and it actually paid out. Ooh. Alex Collins there. Once in a lifetime.
0: And uh, last one, Marlon Mack or Tevin Coleman.
1: Marlon Mack, lead man, Tevin Coleman. Eh. Gotta go Marlon Mack there. Nice. Zach is ready to perform his rapid fire flippy flop. First, we got Devontae Freeman or Christian McCaffrey?
0: Devontae Freeman, I think that he has a bounce back here.
1: Bounce back here for Freeman. All right. Now, between the number one and number two, who would you be taking, Todd Gurley or Le'Veon Bell?
0: Le'Veon Bell, I still remember Todd Gurley's awful yards per carry.
1: So do I as a Rams fan. Lamar Miller or Ronald Jones The second.
0: I'll take Lamar Miller. Uh, I think that that offense is going to be uh, pretty good. And so I'm just going to kind of stick with the, the steady RB2.
1: Agreed, agreed. Kenyon Jake or Dre Ajayi, battle of the Dolphin and X-Dolphin?
0: I'm going to take uh, the former Dolphin, Dre Ajayi, in this one. I think that his yards per carry and his success every time he gets the ball is uh, proven. And I think that he'll continue to do that.
1: Now, here's one between backups, potentially stealing the starting role. Spencer Ware or Kenneth Dixon?
0: Kenneth Dixon not done, baby. Let go. (laughs) All right, everybody, that's our show. Thank you for tuning in. Tune in next time for our wide receiver show, which I know that I am so excited about. My favorite fantasy football position. Once again, give us a follow on Twitter at Flag underscore Challenge. Check us out on YouTube at the challenge flag. You can even send us an email if you would like to at TheChallengeFlagOfficial at gmail.com. You can listen to us on iTunes or you can go right to our Podbean website at TheChallengeFlagOfficial.Podbean.com. Mike, give us your bold prediction on the way out.
1: My bold prediction this year for running back is a man who's in a three-man committee at the moment, and he is ranked the lowest ADP-wise of the three members of this committee. If you're thinking of Ty Montgomery, you guessed it. This guy, he is going to lead the team in carries, touches, catches, touchdowns, running backs. Aaron Rodgers loves them. He doesn't even know who Aaron Williams and Aaron Jones, I don't even know their names right now. I'm mixing up their names because I don't know who they are. That being said, Ty Montgomery is going to lead the way. This guy's got sickle cell. You know what sickle cell is? His red blood cells are in the shape of a sickle. You know what that means? Carries less oxygen. That means his heart's got to pump twice as hard as everyone else's. This man's got a big heart. He's going to get it done this year. Not only does he have a big heart, he graduated from Stanford. He's got a big brain. There's nothing not to love about this guy x wide receiver turn running back you could put him in either slot just kidding think yahoo got rid of that but he's still my guy he's my bold prediction at running back this year he'll finish rb 2 hands down no problem take it to the bank